uh, I'm going to give you some thoughts tonight. If you're here tonight and you've ever wanted to lead somebody to Christ, you say, Pastor, I wish I could do that. You know, I see people coming forward, and man, I wish I could lead somebody to Christ like that. And I want to say, you can. You can. Did you know a witness, all a witness does is just tells what he's seen and heard. That's what a witness does. He says, well, I wish I could be a witness for Christ. Oh, you can. You just tell what you've seen and heard. Tell what happened to you. And just tell people what happened to you. But if you, if you, if you want to know some verses to go along with that, <clears throat> I'm going to give you some tonight. And you can jot these down. You can mark them in your Bibles uh, if you want to. And I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction. And then I'm just going to go right into the plan of salvation tonight. And I'm going to preach the plan of salvation <clears throat> and what must I do to be saved. And so look, if you will, at Acts chapter number 16 in your Bibles. And look at verse number 29 tonight. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 29. The Bible says, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Look at verse 31. The Bible says, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house And just for a moment tonight, I want to talk to you about this subject. What must I do to be saved? Now, I'm going to be honest, and I told some folks this last night. I spent five years in Bible college, and really extra, really more time than that. Spent a little time in seminary and different things. And and I'm going to be honest with you. They never covered this in the pastoral manual. What do you do when a service gets on? I mean, what do you do when God decides to just sit down in the church. What do you do? They never, they never talked about that in Bible college. Some of these other guys, maybe they did. And, uh, and so this whole week, we've just been trying to be just sensitive to the Lord and just trying to figure out what to do. And that's what we're doing tonight. And so I want to talk to you about that subject. What must I do to be saved? Let's pray and we'll get right into this very simple outline. Father, thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. And Lord, I pray now that you'll have your way in this service. Father, you've already worked. I mean, you've already worked. And Lord, if we had the closing prayer right now, went home, well, Lord, it'd been well worth our time to be here tonight. And we're so thankful for what you've done. We're thankful for what you're doing. And Lord, we're thankful for what you're going to do. Lord, I'm not sure that that you're completely done tonight. And so Lord, would you pray, would you take this time And we're just going to present the plan of salvation as simple as it is. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd take it and I pray that you'd bless it tonight. And uh, Lord, you've promised us that your word would never return void. And so Father, have your way tonight, please. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. I want to tell you something about the enemy. And often I'll say, I'll use that word enemy because sometimes I don't even want to mention the name of the devil. And I know sometimes people say, Preach, why do you say enemy? Because I, I don't even want to mention his name. I don't want, I don't want to even bring him up, you know. But I want, to, I want to take the first part of this message, and I want to tell you something about the enemy. First of all, the enemy is a creature of subtlety. And that just means that he's clever and he's crafty. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, 
Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And the enemy just, you know, he just walks around just looking for that person that he can try to get messed up. That person that he can try to, uh, that, that person that he can try to get into hell. And so the enemy is a creature of subtlety, but I'll tell you something else. The, the enemy is a creature of confusion. In fact, our Bible tells us he's the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. And so he is a creature of subtlety. He's a creature of confusion. And I want to tell you something else, church. He's a creature of deception. John chapter 8, verse number 44, the Bible says, Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Talking about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. The Bible says, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is a liar, the Bible says. The enemy is a liar. Now, you now, you say, Pastor, why, why are you, you you're, you're talking about preaching on salvation. Why, why are you taking the time to, to tell us all that? And the reason I told you that is because I want you to understand that the enemy will try to deceive you and he'll try to confuse you. And the way he does it is by telling you this. He'll tell you that there cannot be just one way to heaven. There cannot be. In fact, he'll have famous people who you know and you've seen on television and, and in magazines and they'll stand up and they'll say that as well. They'll say that there, there just cannot be one way to heaven. And the enemy will say this. He'll say, as long as you're religious, as long as you, as long as you believe in something, that's the important thing. As long as you believe in something, you're going to be okay. That, that there's safety in religion, and it doesn't matter which religion it is. It can be Buddhism, it could be Islam, it could be Mormonism, it could be in the Baptist church, it could be a Methodist or a Pentecostal or a Catholic, and the, and the enemy will come and the enemy will say, you know, as long as you're involved in something, that's really, that's really all that matters. And let me tell you what he's trying to say. What the enemy is saying is this, that the most important thing in life and the most important thing in eternity is sincerity. As long as you're sincere, that's, that's the main thing. As long as you believe in something, as long as you're sincere, oh, that's the main thing. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. That is a lie from the enemy. Sincerity is not the main thing in being saved. In fact, did you know, did you know tonight that you can, be, you can be incredibly sincere and you can be sincerely lost? Let me tell you a little story that I, I've told through the years here at Calvary Baptist Church. Story goes that there was, a, there was an apartment building that caught on fire and Man, it was one of those big fires, and they were calling all the trucks out and all the firemen out. 
And, uh, and by the time the firemen could get there, the building was really, it was really burning. It was engulfed in flames. Smoke was barreling up and, and the fire trucks came in and man, they started rolling their hoses out and started grabbing all their tools and putting on their equipment. And, and, uh, and one of the firemen noticed the lady outside the apartment building and she was just beside herself. She was uh, uh, just uh, hysterical, hysterical. And, and he ran up to her and he said, ma'am, what, 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 what's wrong? And she said, my baby is still in the building. I, I wasn't able to get my baby out. My baby is still in our apartment. And, and so he said, well, ma'am, tell me which apartment it was. And, and she tried her best to, to, to give him the number, tell him where it was. And man, he just, just jumped in without any regard to his life. He ran into that burning, burning building. The smoke was as black as the ace of spades and he couldn't see, couldn't breathe. He finally got to her apartment and by the time he got to the apartment, her apartment was completely filled with smoke and just, it was choking him and you couldn't see. And so literally the fireman got down on his hands and knees and he began to go through that house. She told him which bedroom the baby was in and, and he began to feel his way through the house and he finally made his way into the nursery there and, and sure enough, sure enough, he, he felt that little, that little body and, and man, he grabbed that body and he took a blanket and he wrapped that body in a, in a blanket. He, he, he put it to himself and, and he ran out, uh, ran through that building and I mean, literally came out smoke all over him. Almost, almost incapacitated himself, and he came out, and boy, a crowd had gathered. And when he when he came out of the building with that little baby, I mean, a crowd began to applaud, and they began to cheer, and and they said, "Man, what a hero! What a what a hero that fireman is!" And he walked up to that little mom, and she looked at him with tears streaming down her cheeks, and she said, "I don't know how I'll ever thank you. I don't know how I can ever repay you. Thank you for for." saving my, my baby. And that fireman took that little bundle of joy and he put it into the hands of that mom. And that mom took that blanket and she unfolded that blanket only to discover it was a baby doll. It wasn't the baby. It felt like a baby. Well, a lot of those dolls feel really, really real. He reached up and felt an arm, felt a leg, and it felt real. And he grabbed it and wrapped it up. He couldn't see. I mean, there was so much smoke, he couldn't see. And he wrapped it up in that blanket, and he ran out of the building thinking that he had saved the day. And yet that baby was still in that apartment, in that burning building, burning to death. Brother Pope, what's your point? My point is that fireman was sincere. But he was sincerely wrong. Did you know that you can be sincere and you can be sincerely wrong? You know why, why one of the reasons I believe that God is sending this revival is because I believe there's a lot of people who are sincere. I believe their heart's in the right place. I, I believe that they, they believe in a God. I, 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 it's not that they necessarily have anything against the church. Uh, it's not that they're haters of the Bible necessarily. I mean, you know, they tried to do right. They tried to be a good person. They tried to, you know, get involved in community outreaches. And, and they tried to, you know, just, just be a good dad, a good mom, and all of that. And they say, preacher, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And I'm trying to be sincere. But the truth of the matter is, you can be sincere. And you can be lost. Now, I want, I want to say something really, really important tonight, and that's this, being saved. Now, when I say saved, you can say what, being converted. 
being born again, being transformed, however you want to say it, uh, being saved is coming to the place where you understand and believe the gospel. That's when conversion comes. That's when salvation comes. When you understand and you believe the gospel, that's when salvation comes. Now, I don't want you to take my word for that. I want to show it to you tonight. And so I want you to take your Bibles real quickly and I want you to turn to Acts chapter eight. I've got several places and we may not make it to all these places tonight, but I want you to look at Acts chapter eight and I would normally never read this much scripture in a sermon, but I'm going to do it tonight because I, I think it's important that your eyes see the passage and see the scripture. Being saved is not doing the best you can. Being saved is coming to the place where you understand the gospel and you believe the gospel. Now, look at Acts chapter eight, verse number 27. The Bible says that he arose and went, talking about Philip, and he arose and went, verse 27, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Now, here's this guy that has come to Jerusalem and notice this church in verse 27, he has come to worship. Did you, did you see that? You know what that tells me? This is a good guy. This is not a bad fellow. This is not a guy that's necessarily immoral. This is a guy that's looking for God. In fact, if you go back and study this out, this guy has traveled many miles to get to Jerusalem. He has probably purchased a copy of the book of Isaiah. Probably nobody gave it to him because the Bible was so precious back in that day. And so he probably spent very good money to get a copy of the book of Isaiah. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. Now look what happened in verse number 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah as the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, verse 31, and he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip, they would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before her shearers, uh, before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, uh, and, and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, oh, yes, good neighbor. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, again, my point being this, that if you want genuine salvation, if you want to be born again, if you want to be converted, I'm talking about uh, not just saying that you're Christian, but you want to know that you know that you're on your way to heaven. You've got to understand the gospel and you've got to believe that the gospel is for you. Now, I want you to go with me tonight. We're going to go through the plan of salvation. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans tonight. The book of Romans, Romans chapter number three in your Bibles. 
And uh, you folks that I've been talking to for the last few days, you're in for the biggest rerun of your life tonight. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter number three, and I want you to look at verse number 23. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. You know what that tells us? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how big your offering is. It doesn't matter how big your bank account is. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher. It doesn't matter if you're a deacon. It doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a good mom or a good dad. Hey, the Bible says that we are all sinners. We're sinners. And the Bible tells us here that we have come short of the glory of God. It's like that, it's like that archer that takes that arrow and he puts that arrow on the string and he pulls that arrow back and he shoots at the target, but the arrow never reaches the target. It falls short of the target. What's the Bible saying? The Bible is saying this, that you and I are woefully inadequate. We cannot save ourselves. There is nothing that you can do and there is nothing that I can do. And by the way, I cannot save you. And by the way, the priest cannot save you. And the the pastor cannot save you and the rector cannot save you and your good works cannot save you. Hey, we are sinners in need of a savior. Now I want you to take your Bibles, turn over a page and I want you to look at Romans chapter six, Romans chapter number six. And I want you to look, if you will, please at verse number 23. The Bible says in Romans chapter six, verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. Oh, look at this church. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For the wages of sin, the penalty. That word wage means penalty. Uh, when you work 40 hours a week, you receive a wage. You receive something for what you've done. The Bible says that we've done something. It's called sin. And because of that sin, we receive something. And what we receive is death. For the wages of sin is death. Now, there's just no way to make that pleasant or happy. It's not happy. For the wages of sin is death. And by the way, it's more than just this death. It's more than just this shale that one of these days they're going to put in a coffin. They're going to put down here in the grave. Uh, it's more than that. You see, when this shale dies, you have a soul. And your soul is going to go somewhere. It's either going to heaven or it's going to hell. If you die without Jesus Christ, your, your soul is going to die. And you're going to spend eternity in hell. But if you're here and you get saved, guess what happens? God gives you eternal life. And your soul will be in heaven forever and ever. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, Pastor, that's not good news. It's not good news that I'm a sinner. It's not good news that if I die in my sin, I'm going to go to hell. That's not good news. You're right. That's not good news. But I got some. I got some good news. They sang about it just a moment ago. I've got some good news. I want you to turn back a page and look at Romans chapter 5. And look at verse number 8 with me, if you will. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. Oh, yes. The Bible says, but... But God, 
Hey, thank God, even though we were sinners and, and, and ought to go to hell and pay for our sin, the Bible says, but, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, even though I was a sinner, God loved me so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus came and he bled and he suffered and he died to pay the penalty for my sins and your sins. I'm going to tell you what I've enjoyed telling people this week. And that's this over and over and over again. I've told them this. I told them this today. I want us to understand something that when Jesus died, he didn't just die. People say, preacher, nothing really special about that. A lot of men have died. Some men have died for friends. Some soldiers have died for other soldiers. There have been soldiers that have jumped on a hand grenade to save their buddies. And so somebody says, Pastor, what's so special about the death of Jesus? Other men have died. Oh, yes, you're right. Other men have died, but not like Jesus died. You see, when Jesus died, he not only died an excruciating death, which is, by the way, which is where the word crucifixion comes from. He not only died an excruciating death as they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head and scourged his body uh, and all the things that he endured. Jesus not only died, but I want you to understand something that when Jesus died, God Almighty poured all of his wrath upon the Son of God. By the way, your wrath and mine. The wrath that we were supposed to receive because of our sin. But that's not all. That's not all. Not only did Jesus die and suffer the wrath of God, but I want you to understand. Oh, church, listen to me now. This is so important. Listen to this. When Jesus Christ died, he became the sin bearer. The sin bearer. And before Jesus died, God Almighty gathered up all the sins of mankind, your sins, my sins, your past sins, your present sins, your future sins. And he took all those sins, and I don't understand it all, but he took all those sins and he poured those sins on his darling, precious, perfect son. And Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now I'm telling you, hey, other men have died, but no man has ever died like that. No man has ever died a death like that. Oh no, other good men have died, but no man has ever died like the son of God died. And I want you to understand something. He did it so you can have a home in heaven. The Bible says they took him off that tree, that cross, and they put him in a grave. You say, Pastor, what happened? Oh, can I show you? Would you take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 10? Just a few pages over Romans chapter number 10. And would you look at verse number nine? The Bible says in verse nine that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, oh, here it is, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Hey, church, I got good news. He went to the grave, but he didn't stay there. And our Bible tells us that three days later, God, God raised him from the dead. That stone was rolled away and Jesus came out a victorious savior. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, 
They never rolled the stone away so he could come out. They rolled the stone away so we could see in, amen, and know that that grave was empty, that tomb was empty. Hey, you say, Pastor, why did Jesus, why, why was he buried in a borrowed tomb? I'll tell you why, because he didn't need it very long, amen. I'm telling you what, thank God he's not dead. I said he's not dead. I said he's not dead. I'm telling you, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. He's alive. He's still saving. He's still changing lives. He's still sobering up drunks. He's still uh, he's still cleansing prostitutes. He's still delivering drug addicts. I'm telling you, he's alive, my friend. He's alive. That's the gospel. He died. He became the sin bearer. They put him in a grave. And he's been resurrected. That gospel is not so you'll just have a head belief. Well, I, you know, I know, preacher. I know about Jesus. We studied it in a history class, you know. No, no, no. You see, you have to believe it. You say, Pastor, my grandma, she's one of the best Christian ladies I know. Wonderful. It's not enough your grandma believed it. You've got to believe it. You've got to receive it. You see, it's a personal. Salvation's a personal thing. And it's not enough that your dad was a preacher. You've got to know it. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to repent. You've got to turn to him. You've got to come to him and, and realize, man, I'm lost. I cannot save myself. You've got to have that. Listen, you've got to have that personal change of mind. That's repentance. Where you say, you know what I'm doing? It's not working. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm not going to make it. If I keep living the way I'm living, I'm going to wind up straight in hell. And you've got to come to that place where you repent and you have a change of mind. And you say, you know what? I've tried my way and I've tried my way and I've tried my way and it ain't working. And it's time that I repent and turn to him and let him take over. The gospel. Now you're in Romans chapter 10, but I want you to look at verse number 13. You say, pastor, I'd like to have that gift. Look what he says. Look how simple he makes it here. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. What's it say right there? It says, it says you might be saved. No, that's not what it says. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, there's a really good chance. No. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise of God. And by the way, church, did you know that he's never broken a promise? In fact, our Bible tells us in the book of Titus that God cannot lie. And God promised that if you would believe the gospel, what his son has done for you, receive it. Not just your dad, not just your mom. Receive it for yourself. You say, Pastor, I sure would like that free gift. How do I get it? Just take it. Just receive it. Just receive it. Just call. Just call. Tonight, just call. Just, you know, tonight. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want you to come. And if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I don't know. I'm just not sure. I'm going to tell you what I would do. I'd run down to this altar. I'd run. I wouldn't walk. I'd run. 
And I'd get on this altar and I'd say, Lord, I believe what you did for me. And I want you to save me tonight. Oh, God, I want you to save me. God, make me a new creature. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And guess what? He'll do it tonight. He'll do it tonight. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house tonight? Father, we thank you, Lord, that the gospel is always powerful. And Lord, even though I've shared it many times this week, and although we've heard it many times, that gospel message is always powerful. Lord, if there's one here tonight who's still struggling, they don't know that they know that they know. I pray tonight is getting ready to be a breakthrough for them. So Lord, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask a couple questions. How many are here tonight? And you'd say, Brother Pope, if I died tonight, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved and I'm going to heaven when I die without anybody looking, nobody looking. If that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. Thank you so much. What a blessing. You can lower your hands. Let me ask this, though. Is there one here tonight and you'd be willing to let me pray for you? I'll not pray for you by name, but I just want to pray for you tonight. I'll not embarrass you. Is there one here tonight? It could be your first time at Calvary Baptist Church. I don't know. Could be you've been here many times. But you're here tonight and you say, Brother Pope, if I died tonight, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Boy, I need prayer. And right now, without anybody looking, you you just throw your hand up. Just raise it up. Let me pray for you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Is there another like that anywhere? Anywhere at all? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. I want to go. Preacher, I want to go. But I'm just not sure. Is there another anywhere? Just slip your hand up. Can I pray for you? Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Is there another? Can I pray for you? Pastor, if I died, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. But I want to go. I want to go. You'd slip your hand up right now. Is there another? Anywhere. Can I pray for you? Come on. Can I say a prayer for you? You'll have to raise it sort of high so I don't miss you. Is there another? Anywhere. Let me ask this. Is there one here tonight who would say, Pastor, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm on my way, but I'm not 100% sure. I've got some doubt in my life. I've been battling with doubt. And boy, I really need you to pray with me about that. And right now, you'd slip your hand up. You'd say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask some of our personal workers if they would go ahead and make their way down to the front. We have somebody down here in the front with a Bible in their hand. And we just 
we'd like to take the Word of God and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. And so if you're here tonight and God is working on your heart, I'm going to invite you to come right now. I'm going to invite you to come. And I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told our folks last night. God will never force you to get saved. You'll have to take the first step on your own. But I am so glad I can report to you that he'll help you with the second step. And if you're here tonight and the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart, I'm going to ask you to come tonight. I'm going to ask you to come. So, Father, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. Lord, thank you for those that have raised their hands. And, Lord, right now, I pray that you'd give them faith. Father, give them faith. Provide that faith that they need. And, Lord, help them to walk out of here knowing Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Father, help them please now, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed just for a few moments. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If that's you, hey, would you come right now? Would you step out? If you raised your hand, or if you didn't raise your hand, and you'd say, Pastor, there's a need, there's a need. Would you come right now? Would you come? Just step out. We have somebody who would like to take the Bible and just help you tonight. Would you come while we wait? Man, what a great week. So many folks. So many folks have walked these aisles. Would you come tonight? Preacher, man, this is sort of new to me. I've never really been in anything quite like this. I'm not sure about all this. I'll tell you what I would do. Why don't you just ask the person beside you, would you go with me? Would you mind going with me? And I'll promise you, I'll promise you, they'll come with you tonight. Preacher, I don't know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Would you come while we wait? You're here tonight. And you say, Pastor, I am saved. I walked in here saved as I can be. I know that I'm born again. But I am not where I need to be with the Lord. I've known that for a little while. I know I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I am not in the perfect will of God. Preacher, I don't know what happened. I lost my excitement. There was a time when I first got saved and I was really excited I was excited about the things of the Lord. I love to go to church. But preacher, somewhere along the line, I lost it. I just lost all that. I lost it. And if that's you tonight, listen, I'm going to invite you to come right now. Would you come? Rededicate your life to Christ. So, Father, I pray that you have your way. This whole week's been yours. And, Lord, I pray that you do. Lord, you do that perfect work, that perfect work tonight working hearts I pray that you give courage Father I pray that you help minister and Lord help nobody to leave here struggling tonight have your way I pray in this invitation Lord and we thank you
We're going to sing here in just a minute. We're going to sing in just a moment, all right? But just, just for another few seconds, would you just keep your heads bowed just for a few seconds? Folks are coming. Sometimes the Lord extends an invitation. He's just such a merciful God like that. I, listen, I know how it is, man. Sometimes these aisles, they seem like they're 10 miles long. If you're here tonight, though, and there's a need, oh, I'm going to tell you something. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Would you come to Jesus tonight while we wait, while we wait? you come while we wait? I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing My soul and my Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing. Hey, let's sing that chorus with Brother Abel tonight. Let's sing it. Ready? Let's sing it again, church. <clears throat> Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that His blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least 
Just for a minute, if you will. Abel, keep playing, if you will. We're going to bring this thing to a close. We've got just a, a few more that are being dealt with right now. And so, listen, we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to have to close in prayer. If you're going to come, and here's, here's the thing, too. I don't know how long God's going to carry this meeting on. It could be that. Tomorrow night might be the last night. And I want to challenge you. Man, get on it while you can. While the Spirit of God's working. God's definitely doing some very supernatural things, very unique things. Now's a great time to get some help. So, Father, I pray that you'll work in the hearts of those that have come. Those that are still receiving help tonight, Lord, I pray that you'd give them grace and strength. And Heavenly Father, I pray that they'd walk out of this place different tonight. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Father, thank you for the precious Spirit of God that's been so real at Calvary Baptist Church the last few days. Father, thank you for letting us just be a small part, small part of it, just be here while you work. God, thank you for changing my life and thank you for transforming so many others. God, I pray now in the last few moments of this service that you would have your way. And I pray that you'd help others to let go and let God have his way. So, Lord, bless us now as we close this out. I pray that you'll help us and help them, please. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this little chorus again. And if you are here tonight, and man, your heart's beating about a million, million times a second, and, and uh, your palms are sweaty, and you're thinking, man, I should have went, I should have went. Well, now's your, now's your opportunity, all right? And you come. We've got some folks up here, and they'll gladly meet you tonight. Abel, lead us in it one more time tonight. One more time. Sing it, church. My soul and the Savior.
keep on playing, if you will, Brother Abel. Let me ask you this tonight. How many are here this evening and you know that you got saved tonight? You know God saved you tonight. If that's you, would you throw your hand up real high tonight so everybody could see it? Just raise it up real high tonight. Hold them up just for a minute, if you will. Right back here in the back, right over here, right over here, right back here. Wow. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Give the Lord your hands. Would you give them a big hand tonight? Amen. Amen. Wow. Man. We are so proud of you. All of you tonight. We're so proud of you tonight. And the reason we're so excited is because, man, we all remember that day. You know, we're rooting for you. We remember, we remember what it's like to be under conviction and to get it settled, finally get it settled. Boy, I remember that day. I remember it felt like 10 million pounds off my shoulder. And, uh, man, there was nothing like it. And so, man, we're so proud of you all. Let me, give you a, uh, let me give you just a little advice tonight, if you don't mind. If you're here tonight and you got born again, you know that you got born again. You need to do several things. Number one, you need to get baptized. Now, if you don't get baptized here, and you don't have to get baptized here, but if you, 